It's November 4, 2020, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we'll have Michelle Chung from True Initiative, and uh, she is here to tell us about a Gartner webinar coming up called Pragmatic Infrastructure and Cloud Strategy. And then we'll be joined by Christine Sakuda from Transform Hawaii Gov and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can. And we'll talk about tech, civic engagement, and of course, uh, the preparation for the next legislative session. First up, I want to welcome Michelle Chung from True Initiative. And tell us a little bit about this uh, Gartner webinar that's coming up. And welcome, Michelle, to Bite Marks Cafe. (laughs) Thank you, Bert. Thanks for having me. Well, first, I'll start with True. For those of you that don't know, True is a nonprofit with a mission of creating tech-enabled jobs, and we do this by accelerating the adoption of technology and innovation. So we share a lot of the different solutions that innovative companies um, put out there in hopes that it'll spur that energy and excitement to do it in your own organization. So the event that we have coming up is on Thursday, November 12th at 10 a.m., um, and we are going to hear from a Gartner analyst named David Capuccio, who's going to talk about the emerging trends in cloud infrastructure and cloud technologies. And so, so Michelle, I mean, what, what you said was very, very important, and it's the adoption, the adoption of some of these uh, uh, technologies. And it's kind of really geared for companies here in Hawaii to get more familiar with some of these new technologies. And and really, t- tell us a little bit about the premise behind what True is trying to do. I mean, you know, obviously you want to get them to adopt uh, these these technologies, but w- but for what reason? Yeah, so a lot of the emerging technologies out there are common on the mainland, and I don't, for some reason they're slower to take hold in Hawaii. Um, we just want to use the technology to improve efficiencies, improve productivity, take advantage of the computing power that's now available in the cloud. Um, So there are a lot of organizations, you guys know AWS, Microsoft, all of those spend tons on security and developing their products. It would be great to see some of the Hawaii organizations leverage it. So one of the examples that I have is um, email. Mm -hmm. So we used to have an exchange server, on-premise exchange server, and with that comes additional cost. You have to host it. You have to have somebody maintain it. You have to have somebody watch the security. And it, the list goes on. But now there are cloud-based solutions that can handle some of this infrastructure for you where you don't have to. And then your people can actually focus on the core competency. So it's a redirection of your resources, not only to do maintenance, but to actually focus on things that will give your organization a competitive advantage. And you know, do you think that uh, pre-pandemic it was, if if people were accustomed to doing it one way and and it wasn't you know necessarily broken, there was no real strong desire to to change and and sort of post-pandemic, you know, realizing the sort of the critical nature of of infrastructure, uh, do you think there's it's it's more compelling now than than uh, prior to the pandemic? I think so. I think that the pandemic has accelerated the adoption and the transformation, um, digital transformation of a lot of organizations because people needed to do it. So some of the organizations that had invested in, let's say, digitizing their processes or doing e-signature or um, having a remote workforce or having solutions for that 
have had an easier time during the pandemic to handle the needs of the employees, staff, and the consumers. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's a great time to continue that trend um, to, to look at ways that an organization can take advantage of the technologies out there, and evolving so- at a really rapid pace. So how does, I mean, uh, you know, I've had you on the show and, and uh, oftentimes it's it's about these uh, webinars that are uh, becoming available. And has, has um, I guess, your assessment of, of how mm-hmm. how the introduction to some of these technologies is being, is being received from the companies that participate? I mean, are you feeling like they're, they're kind of uh, getting it or are, is there more need for, uh, education and, and um, you know, nudging them along? You know, I learned something from Data House and Gartner recently and that there are different ways um, that innovation is catalyzed, different ways that people find innovation. Um, one is based on internal needs. So I know I'm going to have a remote staff, so I have to innovate by providing them with a virtual desktop, let's say. Some mm-hmm. of it is from near So maybe it's your competitors or your consumers that are asking for a different delivery method. And then the last one is from afar, which is what True does. So we try to showcase companies that have solved business problems with the hope that it would um, inspire other organizations to adopt it. Some people are moving ahead. So I think after SERPCO's webinar and through a few more discussions, other organizations are adopting tools like Emparity. Um, so I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's in a fast enough pace, but I, <laughs> yeah. I also don't know all the organizations that are that are you know transitioning. And you've had you've had uh, like you said you had Servco on, and I know you've talked about the uh, use of AI. And and uh, didn't you also have uh, Salesforce do uh, like a webinar as well? Yes, absolutely. So Salesforce actually has started to see a really strong foothold in Hawaii, both in the government and in the private sector. Um, so that is one that is taking a foothold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are challenges that come with it, but I think that organizations are leveraging the power of Salesforce. So that's great. Now, if um, uh, people want to sign up for this, this is happening on Thursday, November 12th. Uh, at 10 a.m., uh, where can they go to sign up? And I think it's a, it's a free, right? So it's, yeah. uh, it's a great free. to take advantage can, of. Yep, you can sign up at um, our website. It's www.hec.org slash true. Um, and you can see the registration for the events that are upcoming as well as recaps of the other ones in case you wanted to learn about Amparity or another solution that we've shared in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, the the Gartner guys are really uh, experts in the field, so I think it would be a mm-hmm. very, very uh, uh, knowledgeable um, a webinar. So I've always enjoyed the the Gartner presentation. So, thanks, uh, Michelle, for joining us. Great, thanks for having me, Bert. And we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Christine Sakuda from Transform Hawaii Gov and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can, and of course, we'll talk about coming up uh, the next legislative session. Thanks a lot, and this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors the Kahala Hotel and Resort and PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. 
Welcome back to Bike Marks Cafe. Of course, I am thrilled to have Christine Sakuda from Transform Hawaii Gov and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can here to talk about civic tech, citizen engagement, and of course, the evolving sort of tech landscape. And I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Aloha, Bert. Hey, Bert. Nice to be here. Now, Chris, I, I, I had you on not too long ago. In fact, I think it was like maybe a couple of weeks ago talking about the... Uh, Hawaii Annual Code Challenge, which is which is uh, currently underway, but I thought it'd be good to have you and David on to talk a little bit more about what your respective uh, organizations do, because uh, I think you both have, uh, you, you sort of both head up some key organizations that uh, are, are quite uh, influential in how Hawaii kind of evolves into the 21st century. And maybe I'll give uh, both of you a chance to, to share a little bit about uh, what what you folks do. So, Christine, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, Transform Hawaii Gov? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, Transform Hawaii Government, THG for short, is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to advocating for the modernization of government services. And the reason that's why the reason why that's important is so that. Our community has access to the the services that they need when and where they need it. And and uh, David, that's the short version. Yeah, well, we'll we'll give you a chance to get into some some specifics around what it is that you're you're advocating for. And and David, uh, tell us a little bit about the Hawaii Kids Can. Yeah, and you know I'm a friend of the show, so it's it's great to be back. But uh, we we're an organization, a nonprofit organization that focuses on. Education advocacy, specifically in the K-12 realm, but really looking at how can we make Hawaii's education system the most equitable and the most innovation in the world. And I think we have all the ingredients to do that here, uh, and we're really excited about a lot of the uh, you know, collaboration and growth we've seen in um, the past year. And, and David, you have uh, been very involved with, uh, obviously, the K-12 through education and 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 be you know you were very instrumental <clears throat> instrumental in in helping pass uh, legislation for computer science uh, in education and and that was done maybe what a couple a couple three years ago I mean how have you seen the the progress of of that legislation and how how has it taken uh, root in uh, our education system Yeah, it's been really inspiring actually. Uh, I will I'll give a shout out to. Um Chuck Nguyen at UH's CRDG, uh, who did a really great landscape report um, looking at the last three years in terms of computer science education. And overall, uh, it's been a pretty dramatic growth, and especially at the high school level. Um, We've seen a lot more high schools offer computer science courses, which is really exciting. And I think for those of us who look at the big picture, you know, this is really an opportunity to change the trajectory of the state to mm-hmm. make sure that for our kids growing up today, that they have the opportunity to experience the future-oriented skills, not just of tomorrow, but of today, right? And uh, I think we're, we're on a really nice path to do that. Well, you know, I, I sense that, you know, we were all looking at the, the need to change that trajectory, you know, even before the pandemic. Uh, but even now, as we are in the midst of it, uh, doesn't it feel like it's even more important now than it was before? Because, you know, if we are going to be 
able to compete, you know, with the with the rest of the world in this sort of digital economy, uh, doesn't it behoove us to be much more, I guess, uh, proactive in in laying the foundation for students to, you know, kind of be prepared to to compete in in this sort of twenty first century technology arena. Right, and I, you know, I think when you think about what does it mean to be digitally literate in two thousand and twenty, it's more than just you know, sitting down and being a coder. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, ha- not everybody, has to be a coder in a hoodie. Uh, it's really just understanding, you know, all the different options that being uh, digitally literate and having access to a device and internet can be, right, and, and can bring. And so I think that's where you're going to see really the inequities. Is you know, there have been a wide range of folks who have careers where they can work remotely, work online, um, you know, work through cloud-based systems like AWS. And then those folks who can't and are really, really struggling uh, financially. And so, you know, I think we, it's, people talk about it as future-proofing the state, right? We, we don't know what the next crisis is going to be if there's a COVID-22 out there. Um, but we can at least be proactive in ensuring that our kids are prepared for whatever does happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and Chris, you know, the um, uh, work that uh, you do with uh, Transform Hawaii government and, and uh, the systems that you have kind of keep an eye on in terms of modernization. How has your work kind of transformed in in this sort of pandemic era? And is it become, has it become more, uh, I guess, more urgent? I know that prior to, prior to uh, 2020, I mean, there was some efforts around getting, um, you know, access to more data, getting, getting uh, government to be more, uh, tuned into things like a chief data officer, and of course uh, now during the pandemic, I mean, I, I hear everybody talking about being more, uh, being more informed by data. So how does how does you know the work that you do really try to help push that uh, that uh, uh, as an initiative? I guess how does how does your efforts uh, try to make sure that that even, that 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 gets some traction? Thank you, Bert. And as you know, THG is a big advocate of digital government. And, you know, if the government has the technology that it needs to support the services that it provides to the community in a way that is effective, um, transparent, and responsive, then I think we, we really have um, a very high-performing state. And so what the pandemic has really shown is it has shown where some of the deficiencies are, quite frankly, within the state government system. And it, it's been widely reported, for example, that the unemployment uh, insurance application and uh, the state's accounting, parts of the state's accounting infrastructure are reside on 40-year-old mainframe computers. And while that, that's, you know, decades old, it's not really a fault because I think what the government does is it funds projects that, that really are focused on services to the public. And perhaps the government can do a better job at really investing in itself and investing in its infrastructure in order to be more resilient. And so I think the pandemic has really brought that to light. And with people's direct experiences in the community of accessing the unemployment insurance application or accessing Medicaid, applying for Medicaid services, applying for 
you know, getting their um, your birth certificates and death certificates online, you know, digital access has become much more intimate, and so we are we are big advocates of that. So, so Chris, I mean, and, you know, one of the challenges that I think uh, as as advocates for sort of this transformation, both you and and David, uh, we're already aware of the budget. Uh, limitations that the state has and and with modernization yeah. it's going to cost you know it's going to cost something i mean is there is there strategies that you have in mind that would try to uh, ensure that it still happens in spite of the the sort of the budget limitations i mean you're right there are there are significant budget limitations um, and I think they're going to get worse before they get better but within that there are opportunities for um, partnerships between government and and non-government partners and we we are seeing that more and more Mm -hmm. as the state government moves towards the CARES Act funding uh, really tries to reset some of the the programs that the, the government provides to the community so Partnerships, I think, are absolutely critical for our whole community to to really, you know, become more resilient out of the pandemic. And when we look towards the the 2021 legislative session, you know, a lot of a lot of what I hear in the community are really around um, maybe trying to ride the wave of increased citizen engagement that we're seeing in, in this election to really participate w- within the legislature. So online access to, you know, to provide testimony, you know, online real-time access to participate in, you know, in hearings, listen to the hearings and testify. Those things become more and more important now, especially since um, people may not have the opportunity to travel from the neighbor islands to, you know, to Oahu during the legislative session. Um, The other thing that we're really looking at is there, were, there was a couple of years ago a big focus on data integrity, data governance, data access. And it is hard to extract meaningful data off of very old systems that don't talk to each other. And so I think members of the community are also looking at um, a chief data officer and perhaps a data task force that can really bring together the different departments and the community to talk about uh, ways that data could be shared more in a secured way, but shared more across the system to address the more systemic problems that we're facing. So I really, those are really some, some of the opportunities that I see. Well, and, and I do want to get into a little bit about how you will approach that, you know, given the 2021 session that's coming up. And, and, and David, I do want to also ask you about what you see on that uh you know not too far horizon and some of the things that you would like to uh maybe get legislators to to consider so what we want to do is uh hold that thought we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with christine sakuda from transform hawaii gov or government and of uh, of course david miyashiro from hawaii kids can this is bite marks cafe Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Health, Ulupono Initiative, and The Hub Coworking Hawaii. 
Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Christine Sakuda from Transform Hawaii Government and David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can. And right before the break, uh, we were talking about uh, some of the things that that uh, Christine and Transform Hawaii Government are are really kind of considering and and getting prepared for in terms of uh, uh you know, initiatives in the next legislative session. And I want to also give David a chance to, you know, kind of share with us what are your thoughts on on this upcoming session? And, you know, we've just come out of an election, and, and I think there's some uh, new legislators uh, on the scene. But And you you folks, you both are very, very experienced at uh, uh, working with, with legislators. You know, David, in terms of, uh, you know, what you see in the next session, I mean, what what would you like to see achieve is it is it a question of appropriation is it a question of uh you know getting more sort of uh legislation in place i mean what are you what are you focusing your attention on yeah and I, you know chris had so many great points but something she said really stuck out to me which is you know it's not just going to be one silver bullet it's really this collaboration across sectors that's going to get us through this right like let's not sugarcoat it this is going to be a hard hard year financially mm-hmm. for the state. However, you know, I've been, uh, you know, just so overwhelmed by seeing how crisis has brought us together in a lot of ways as a community. And you see that public-private, you know, uh, kind of set of partners working together to figure out really tricky solutions, and even federally, right? Think about the bright spots. The Hawaii DOE just invested $38 million in digital equity. So that includes computers, tablets, hotspots. That $38 million would not have been invested otherwise. So now how do we build on that as not just a response to an emergency, but as an opportunity for all kids who know, now have that access to that technology, right, and have access to potentially different kinds of learning that they never would have had before? You know, the example I, I give is, you know, now that we've all had this eight-month crash course in distance learning, can we be really creative? What if a kid from HANA wants to enroll in a school or enroll in a class at McKinley High School because they don't have that teacher there in their school, right? Now we've, we're all on the same page, so let's really take advantage of that. And then for families, let's help families get more involved in kids' learning. You know, parents, I know distance learning has not been fun for a lot of parents, but in, in some ways, parents have never been more involved in their kids' education and learning than they have been in the last eight months, right? So we're looking at things like in December – for Computer Science Education Week, having family coding nights where families can actually sit together, you know, for elementary kids and their parents to see, oh, so this is what it looks like. I thought this was just, you know, get games for a kid, but they're actually learning some really great skills. Oh, and by the way, we're going to connect you with employers who can show you how those skills translate to real quality future-oriented jobs. No, that's great, David. So are you referring to uh, an event coming up? I mean, uh, what is it that you can help do to help, uh, I guess, the parents, the kids uh, understand the new normal that they are now living in? I mean, and, uh, some of the ideas that you just shared, I mean, I think are, are great. Uh, what are what are you are you going to be focusing on on in terms of advocacy? Is it going to be legislation or are you putting on events? I mean, what's what's kind of the focus of your attention? My my approach has always been all of the above. You know, that's my that's mm-hmm. my feeling. You've got to be holistic. If you're not holistic, you're missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in terms of events, like I said, December seventh 
through the 13th is Computer Science Education Week. It's a national celebration. Uh, we're working with a number of partners, um, still pretty preliminary, but to be able to offer a wide range of virtual experiences for families, including discussions with industry professionals all the way to family coding nights. Um, I think that's going to be so much fun. Uh, and in terms of legislation, we're working with our partners to talk about some of the needs that we see, right? The PUKAs that are out there. Like I said, we've had a huge increase of high school and high school students gaining access to computer science, but there are a lot of elementary and middle schools that are still, uh, you know, not quite there. So really focusing at the younger ages and looking at, while we may not have a lot of state funds to access, maybe there are ways we can leverage, uh, you know, public-private grant programs for work-based learning so that if a kid is interested in the program, let's say, in AI, they've got the technology at home now because of that $38 million investment, that they can access those AI courses no matter who runs them, right, if it's IBM or Amazon, et cetera. So really making sure that geography no longer is a barrier for any of our kids. I think that's really exciting. No, that's great. And, and you know, be sure to remind me of uh, the December 7th event because – I will probably have you back on as a as a news guest, and maybe you can announce uh, that that event because that sounds exciting. So, so Christine, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, data governance, the uh, data task force, uh, the idea of uh, a chief data officer. I know the chief data officer got passed, but uh, I don't think there were any appropriations uh, for that. What is uh, what is your focus going to be? You know, coming up for the next session, are you going to try to? get that in in some form of legislation? Or, you know, there's a, something called the IT uh, Steering Committee. I mean, is it going to be through that mm-hmm. through that group? I mean, how are you going to make this get some traction and actually, you know, make it, uh, you know, make it sustain uh, into 2021-2022? Well, that's a good question, Bert. And it was a couple of years ago that the Chief Data Officer and Data Task Force Bill got really good support uh, in that legislative session, and it went all the way to a joint conference, and then it, it died there, and so it did not pass. And I actually remember uh, one of the state leaders saying during this pandemic, boy, I wish we had the chief data officer mm-hmm. so that we, we really, and, you know, this person can't solve all problems, but, you know, there should be, it would be very helpful if there was someone in the state that was on point for ensuring that data access um, is is one of the state's top priorities because you can't manage what you can't measure and you can't make informed decisions without without data. And so those those are actually become very, very critical. And it is important to understand why it didn't pass. Maybe a chief data officer sounds very similar to a chief information officer and um the nuances and the value of the CDO wasn't communicated well enough. But now, again, kind of this pandemic experience and the ability to get the right data at the right time within the state and from perhaps the healthcare community to manage contact tracing and make, you know, inform people real time about everything that's going on, you know, real time data becomes very important. And it, it is, you know, everyone's Juliana to participate and engage in that. And so I don't know where the best spot is for the, the chief data officer, data task force. It definitely we, you know, in the upcoming month or two, we will be having more conversations with the community and with the state as far as what makes the most sense 
um, because we just want to set the system up for success. So, Chris, uh, if people want to get uh, more familiar and involved with the Transform Hawaii government, where can they go? Thank you, Bert. They can go to our website, which is transformhawaiigov.org. And, of course, uh, with uh, David Mishiro and Hawaii Kids Can, that's at uh, hawaiikidscan.org. And I'll put that up on our show notes for later on this evening. Christine Sakuda is the Executive Director of Transform Hawaii Government, and David Miyashiro is the Executive Director of Hawaii Kids Can. And, of course, I want to thank you both for joining us today, and thank you for listening to Bite Mark Cafe. Join us next week when we'll delve deeper into the Hawaii Career Pathways Initiative If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at BiteMarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay safe and you stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.